What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. As you all know by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JustBaseball and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. One, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JustBaseball. Two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Three, you will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JustBaseball when you sign up. Disclaimer. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions and must be 21 or older to wager. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., New York, or Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-327-369. 5050 in Massachusetts, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, and 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,500 first bet offer today. Wednesday, December 20th, we've got another edition of Playing GM here on the Just Baseball Show. I'm Aram Layton. He's Peter Apple. We're going to be talking, I think, two of the more intriguing teams. And it's not a coincidence because we had a couple options, Peter, and you picked two very exciting teams right now. We're going to be talking about the Rays and the Giants, who I think are going to be busy on the other side of the holiday. But something I know that you wanted to start off with, Peter, is the fact that Yoshinobu Yamamoto at the other side of the holiday is going to start to be on a clock here to make his decision. So that's where it's going to get really fun. And I think the free agent market is really going to start picking up there. We'll start with Yamamoto, man, because I think it's so fascinating. Again, you brought it up before we started recording that, hey, man, you get a 45-day posting window. He's already churning through those 45 days. Again, a lot, not much happens during the, the couple holidays, days. I think, you know, it depends on the GM, but generally speaking, it's kind of a, hey, let's let's take a couple days off. So the clock's going to start ticking after the 25th. Clock is going to start ticking. And I wanted to bring up Yamamoto for a couple of reasons. One, he's the number one starting pitcher on the market. So just discussing where he's going to go is always going to be interesting. Number two, I want to debate the contract value because in our Just Baseball group chat, we were talking, is it going to be 250? Is it going to be 300? Is it going to be over 300? I think that discussion 
in itself is just fascinating. And I also wanted to bring up because this was something that I think all baseball fans knew when he was initially posted that he had a 45 day window. But then you keep hearing rumors and rumors and you kind of forget about that. But January 4th is his last day to sign. So if he wasn't able to sign by that day, he's going back to the MPB. Which, so of I course, think, yeah. which, of course, he's not going to do. He is going to sign. But these past couple of weeks, I think for him was a discovery phase, right? He's coming over to a new league. He doesn't know all about these teams. He doesn't know all about Steve Cohen and the Mets. He doesn't know about everything about the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Red Sox and these rivalries. So he's been bouncing from team to team, and he's requested meetings on behalf of himself. It's not like these teams are saying, hey, we want a second, we want a third. Of course they do, but he is making those decisions, which he has done now with the New York Yankees and a couple of other teams. So in this discussion, I wanted to talk about what type of contract, where he's going to go, and remind people that he only has a couple of weeks left. But before we get into it, the Just Baseball Show is brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Use promo code JustBaseball when you sign up and deposit into your newly created account. Download the BetMGM Sports app on iOS or Android, or visit BetMGM.com. Place your first bet offer and receive up to $1,500 back on in bonus bets if it loses. Are you kidding me? If the bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once the wager is settled. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Must be 21 or older. Terms and conditions apply. Let's so, debate. Contract. Yeah, that's the fun part. Yeah, and it's funny because it's like it's not really about what he's worth. And and I, it's almost impossible to be able to discern exactly what a player is worth, given the fact that we have not even seen him throw one pitch in Major League Baseball. That said, you know, I just put together a thread, which I'll link you know, in the episode description. And, you know, we also have had the YouTube video and all those things that we've done to kind of show how special Yamamoto is, how unique he is. But it's still it's like. $300 million for a guy that you have not seen throw a pitch in Major League Baseball. We saw him in the World Baseball Classic, but a little bit different. I, I think is crazy. But at the same time, like it seems like the market is crazy. And it seems like the frenzy for Yamamoto is also crazy. What's interesting is I think Jeff Passan put out a fantastic piece just kind of diving into who Yamamoto is as a human being. And that's on ESPN. I'm pretty sure it's unlocked, even if you don't have ESPN Plus or, or whatever the subscription, you know, you need to be able to read all of those articles. I think it's really fascinating that in that piece and, and kind of as a tweet to go with that piece, he mentioned that he has not had one of those $300 million offers yet. And we had seen some reports, I think it was Jim Bowden, I think it was somebody else as well, that said he had multiple $300 million offers. Now, Passon said, pump the brakes, not yet. That doesn't mean he's not going to get a $300 million contract, which I know I'm going to give the floor to you to, to make your pitch on why you think it will be that high. But I also think it's interesting because I don't think we're really there yet where teams are putting in their best offers. So that report always seemed a little bit fuzzy and a little bit weird. Uh, and now Jeff Passon kind of puts a little bit more uh, context to that. What I think is interesting is the thing that you highlighted is the fact that Yamamoto and these teams, but I think largely Yamamoto as well, really want to get to know each other. And that makes sense, right? We don't have MLB video to work on. We don't have you know, many players to talk to, coaches to talk to, who, you know, may know him as a human being. So now the more that these teams get to know this guy, you know, I think the Mets have had him over for dinner a couple of times, right? He was at, he was at Steve's house. Uh, you mentioned the Yankees having multiple meetings. They might just get more and more comfortable with Yamamoto, the human. And then all of a sudden that dollar figure goes up and up and up because they've got all the metrics available to show you how unique this guy is as Yamamoto, the pitcher. 
Yeah, it's hard to say. I definitely think he is worth $300 million, but will he get $300 million is a different question. Let me take you back about nine years ago. 2014, Masahiro Tanaka signs a seven-year, $155 million deal with the New York Yankees at 25 years old. So we've seen a young Japanese phenom pitcher come over at this age and get a big-time contract. But now we're talking about a deal that could double the AAV, the Masahiro Tanaka, when he came over. And Tanaka was a great pitcher in the MPB. I think Yamamoto is a little bit better when we're looking at the numbers. But in terms of a talent, they're not that far off, right? Yamamoto is better. And the AAVs have changed, right? Tyler Glass now has not thrown more than 120 innings in a season. And he's a couple of years older and just signed a five-year, $135 million deal. Now, it's a four-year extension off his original one-year deal that he's paying $25 million a year this year. But we're seeing pitchers get paid more and more, and especially in this market. When's the next time you could get a guy who could potentially be a top 10 pitcher as soon as he comes over at 25 years old? And when you're considering that the Verlanders and the Scherzers of the world, I know they're older, it's a shorter deal, but they're getting paid $43 million a a year. What's to say that they want to pay Yamamoto from age 25 to 35, $30 million a year. That's a 10-year deal. That's $300 million. Yeah. But on top of it, you got to pay a posting fee that's going to be what? What's the posting fee? $40 million? Yeah, Jack did the like the, the the math there. I forget what the exact number was, but it was it was something all along those lines where it was just like, okay, that's almost another year. <laughs> it's like it's basically another year on the contract or more. Um, so that is an important thing to factor in too, right? Because um, you know, it may impact what we would see the value of the contracts being. But you know, if if he signs for 275 and then the posting fees, 30, 40, whatever the, the the math was that Jack put together. I wish I had the number, you know, on, on the top of my head, but that's still technically a $300 million contract and, and obligation to go get that pitcher. So it, it is interesting. And I think that part of it though, will potentially drive it down a little bit. But then again, we see Jung Hoo Lee, who we didn't think he was going to push over a hundred and totally different case, but seemed like the posting fee wasn't an issue with Jung Hoo Lee. So it's very fascinating. And I I think from your angle, the part that really does kind of sway me to, ooh, it could be closer to 300 because I kind of reside in the closer to 250 uh, range in terms of where I think it's going to end up is, you know, you look at the Garrett Cole contract. And I know Cole has had a lot of big league success under his belt and all those, you know, things that you love to see from just a bona fide ace and innings eater and that kind of guy. But he was also 29. Right when he signed that deal, and it was a nine-year deal at thirty-six million average annual value. So, like that is that's a fair template. You figure lower AAV, similar years, maybe you know, maybe you're still in that three hundred range. So it does seem possible. I just wonder how much the posting fee is going to factor in, and how much you know teams are really willing to shell out. Because if you do agree to a three hundred million dollar contract, you're going towards three fifty now. By the time you, you factor in the posting fee, so. What's your final, final prediction, both financially and where he goes? See, I'm about to go crazy on you because you compare him to the Garrett Cole contract. Let's say he doesn't get 36. Let's say he gets 30, right? But he is four years younger and they were willing to give Garrett Cole a nine-year deal. And it's not like Yamamoto is coming over with 
big injury concerns, right? This is not a TJ guy. This is not a double TJ guy. This is a guy with a relative clean bill of health. And then when you factor in all the big dogs are the one fighting over him, right? Steve Cohen has about $10 trillion in his bank account. The Yankees are the Yankees. The Dodgers have proven they might just start paying Yamamoto in 2075, right? And then the Red Sox, they have yet to make a major splash. So not only could you consider that even if there wasn't a bidding war, that he could be worth $30 million a year over 10 years, you got big markets all fighting for him in a market where the other starting pitchers, there's a lot of question marks, right? With a Blake Snell, with a Marcus Stroman, with some of these guys. And then you move to the trade market. Well, you could trade for Dylan Cease, but it's going to cost prospect capital, right? And he's coming off his worst season. Corbin Burns, he's a big fish, but he's going to cost a ton. So that's why I think Yamamoto is the big fish. Arm, I'm going 11 years, $330 million for Yoshinobu Yamamoto. I know it sounds crazy, but what did I say? What have we been saying for years on this podcast? The pitching market is absurd. It always blows away. Can I remind you that Taiwan Walker and Jay was a tired, got $80 million? Those still blow me away. Those still blow me away. Like, I think he's going to get buku bucks. Look. I on to make your case to say the part where I agree with you is that nothing would surprise me. So nothing like surprises me nothing more. would shock me. 500 million. I'd be like, all right. So uh, that's, that's very <laughs> fair. And I think it's like, I'm trying to operate as if my job was on the line. And I almost need to remove myself from that. Cause like some of these GMs are just reckless. These front office guys, they don't give a shit. Um, give most a of shit. them do like, now because you know, they might they, not be there in 11 years. Yeah, it, exactly. But this decision could be what's held over their head if it doesn't go right. well. So it becomes like this unique two way street. I just think the, the idea of giving a guy who is yet to pitch here more than nine years blows my mind. So I'm, I'm still going to stick with, Nine years at about 30 to 32. I'll say 32 mil a year at nine years. And that would bring you to what? Just shy of 300. I need a, I need a calculator nine times 32. Anybody? I hope somebody listening right now is just automatically just said like, oh, it's it's 288. Like, how'd you miss that? Um, so actually, I'm going to go a little bit shorter. I'm going to go eight at 33 a year. So that'll give me 264. Yeah. Are you telling me? If Yamamoto is on the market for eight years, $264 million, Steve Cohen won't give him the extra year. And then the Yankees he hear might. about it. And they're like, fine, we'll go 10. Dodgers hear about it too. That's the thing. Is like That's, I think, the starting point. And then these teams are just going to come in needing a guy like this because these franchises are also all at pivotal points when it comes to their starting rotation. Oh, yeah. The Mets need him. The Yankees need him. The Dodgers I would argue kind of need him. No, they kind of Red Sox need him. Like it's not just, Oh, this would be a great player to have. This is the need for a lot of these teams and they're all big markets. I think it's going to, I think the contract is going to shock the world. That's kind of my I hope so. take of this season is I keep getting into this where I'm like, he might get more than I think he might get more than I think. And then I landed on a crazy deal. I hope he gets more than what I said. <laughs> I, I do too. I hope you're right. Like that, it, it's just fun. I, I just think it's funny to watch people lose their mind over the dollar figures. I will say too, I think that if it is a contract like like you're saying, which 
could be very possible. It'll be a super nuanced one where there's there's maybe unique opt outs. Maybe there's escalators like I, we're seeing them get creative. You know, Jung Hoo Lee has, you know, a player option in his seal. Maybe there's a player option in some of these deals that maybe he prefers that and is willing to take a little bit less for a player option to have that flexibility. So that might be the unique thing, too, because it seems like Yamamoto, of course, he wants the most money, but it also seems like he's also very focused on the team and the fit and all of that good stuff, too. So. If, it, if a team maybe comes forward and says, hey, we'll give you an opt out after four years, we'll do this and this and this, all the things that you wanted, and this is the best fit for you, maybe he takes a little bit less. But I, I do agree with you where if if it seems like Stevie Cohen really wants this to happen, I feel like he's just going to call his accountant and be like, does this matter at all? Of course, I already know the answer. Hang up and say, all right, here's a blank check and make it happen. And I don't think that's crazy at all because... Guys like Yamamoto don't come over, you know, really ever. And people can say Roki Sasaki. I think Yamamoto is way, way, way safer as just a durability type of side, like side of things, arsenal side of things. And just, I think how established he is from what we've seen. So I, I don't know. It's going to be really fun. You have your, your, what did you say? Three, what was the number? Three. I'm going, I'm going 11 years, $330 million. Oh, shit, that'd be awesome. And I think he signs with the New York Mets. And I think that's what happens. I do think it's going to be between the Yankees. I think the Yankees and the Mets are going to be the final two. And I think what's going to eventually tip over is Steve Cohen doing exactly (laughs) what you just said, being like, I am not about to get beat by my crosstown rival for this guy. I am not. We have Kodai Senga. We have the money. We're going to be the team to go get Yamamoto. And that's what I think it is. The reason I go to 11 years, 330 is Steve Cohen. Yeah. I think he just blows the shit out of everybody out of the water and says, no one's giving you this. We may not be the Dodgers. We may not be the Yankees, but we want to be better than the Yankees. And you're going to be the piece. You're not going to be in anybody's shadow because the entire thing is Yamamoto has an affinity for the spotlight, right? Wants to be in the New York market, wants to be in LA, wants to be in Boston, wants to be the guy. When you go to New York, you're not going to be the guy. Air Cole's the guy. Aaron Judge is the guy. Juan Soto is the guy. You'll be one of the guys. Dodgers, same thing. In Queens, you're now the highest paid player on the team. Lindor as well. But you're kind of the guy. And, and you're getting the ball. The you're getting the ball every game you need to win. Every game you need to win, he's getting the ball. Uh, and, and I think that's a, that is an interesting side of it as well. And you get all the, the the luxuries of being in New York that come with the Yankees. But now with this Mets team that I think in these meetings, these dinner parties that they've had, I think they're really selling them, you know, selling Yamamoto on, on the, you know, the plan and, and what they're trying to do and build a sustainable winner. Cause this isn't a two year decision. There's potentially a 10 or in your case, an 11 year decision where this could be a really like, this could be his whole career here. So I'm really excited to see where it shakes out. And ironically, one of the teams that should have a, a chance at him, but you mentioned the market and some other aspects uh, might end up making it a little bit complicated, but that's one of the teams we're going to do playing GM on right now. We'll talk about it. I think the San Francisco giants are going to make a push for Yamamoto, I think ultimately it's just going to be Yamamoto's decision to, I mean, you got Boston as well, which he's the guy there. And I think they could surprise and make a push between Boston, both New York's. And I just think those teams alone, and then you factor in LA, it just seems very, it seems like San Francisco's on the outside looking in that said, and we'll go through all of the, the free agent, you know, additions hasn't been a ton, but also where they're at in regards to like the CBT, 
but they've got about $70 million to work with below the CBT, a little bit more than that. Uh, they they have some players that are expiring in the next couple of years that will give them some more financial flexibility. We'll go through the, the whole roster together here, but my, my takeaway right away, and I'm just curious going into that, what your takeaway is for me, it's they got to find some pitching ASAP, whether it's Yamamoto or anybody else. Like, I think that's got to be number one priority, right? Absolutely. Number one priority. And we'll talk about it, you know, when we get into playing the general manager, but it has to be right. I look at their roster right now and the offense, I'm not going to do much to it. We're again, we're going to talk about it, but the rotation has to be the number one priority. Aren't you a little tired of pitching the giants and all these free agents and they never end up doing anything? Yes. Yes. Like, aren't we tired of saying that the Orioles are going to get these guys? Like for me at this point, I'm growing tired of giving the giants credit to be able to sign these guys. I just am. They did grab Lee. on everybody, and they just they did get Jung Hu Lee. Congrats, right? I don't think that they can compete with the Yankees and the Mets and the Red Sox no. and the Dodgers. They just haven't proven it. So until they do prove it, I'm not going to give them that credit. Same thing That's with the enough. Orioles in terms of getting big time players. Like I'm not going to give these teams the credit until they prove it. So with that said, before we get into the Giants, before we get into the Rays, give me your prediction. Okay, I'm going. I said Boston originally, so I'll stick with it, even though I think the Mets are the the most likely, I think, from the financial standpoint. But I could see him falling in love with the Boston market, going there, playing with Yoshida. So I'm going to stick with the Red Sox at uh, nine years and kind of adding up to around 270 million. You tell me that. Steve Cohen's not going to get word of that deal that they're going through it and be hey, like, we'll give you 500 trillion. But if Yamamoto says, I, I didn't like the food you served, I didn't like the way the, the dinner went, and I'm out. Then you what are you going to do, that. Stevie? Money can't get you out of that one. It's true, but then the Yankees might hear that the Red Sox are getting Yamamoto. That's why it's just these guys are just going to compete with each other. And you, you've been the guy on the forefront, right? Yamamoto, we were talking about him a year ago. Like we saw him at the World Baseball Classic. You're obsessed with this guy. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm a little bit surprised you're coming in low too, knowing the bidding war and your belief in how good he's going to be. How many threads, how many articles, how many YouTube videos have you done on this guy watching him and thinking to yourself, this guy's next? Yes. Or if you were the general manager, if you were in David Stern's shoes, you're giving him 300 plus million if you got Cohen money in the bank. You're doing it. I, I am. I, I if Cohen if Cohen says this ain't your fault, I'm I'm authorizing over that. Sure, but you know that you know I love Yamamoto. But there's the one thing that prevails above all, and it's my hatred for pitchers as prospects. Yeah, that's so, true. So, <laughs> so this guy, like, it's already insane that I want to give this guy anything. No, it, it's it's just like pitchers freak me out, and Yamamoto is probably the biggest exception to that because of. I mean, you got to if you haven't seen the videos of what he can do, the way he can. He's like a contortionist. It's the crazy. It's insane. He doesn't even lift weights. He's just ripped off of doing like yoga and contortions and like throwing javelins. Like that is the one guy I will break my mold for. And I do think that some other teams may feel that way. But I'm sticking with my prediction. I don't want to I don't want to change it. But I I hear what you're saying. And we got yours, too, now. Right. So you're saying Yankees. No, I'm saying Mets. I oh, think you're saying Mets. 11 you're saying years, Mets. Okay. 330. Yeah, yeah. I think the Yankees are the second team. I think they give him the 10th year, and Steve Cohen says, I will not be outbid, and okay. gives him the 11th. Fair and enough. So I think I think the Dodgers and the Red Sox, I think the Red Sox literally offer what you say. And I think the yeah. Yankees are like, nope, we're not letting him go to Boston. And then Steve Cohen says, we're not letting him go anywhere else. 
That'd be pretty. That's a dream. I, Yamamoto's. If you're Yamamoto's agent, you know you're you're dreaming of that, right? You, you're, cool. That's like the dream scenario. Pit all the big markets against each other. You also forget where San Francisco says, "Oh, by the way, we had the same offer as the Red Sox." He just kind of ignored it, and <laughs> then and then they pivot to another potential arm. So let's go right into the San Francisco Giants here. We're we're gonna do playing GM with the Giants and then the Rays, but quick a break right before that. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Okay, so we can't just simulate a bunch of offers that we put out that people don't take. We're going to try to put out some offers that guys are going to take here, Peter, for the San Francisco Giants. We'll talk about the the additions that they've made thus far because it hasn't been anything crazy, but some small moves here and there, and they've kind of put some pieces together. Jung Lee was a big get right at 113 million. That's yep. going to help them immediately. They needed somebody up the middle. Uh, we've talked about him a bunch. I think he's a great fit contact wise. That's great. You got one of your bats at the top of the order, even if there's an acclimation process there. They go get their backup catcher, Tom Murphy. They just signed him. Perfect. He backs up. Patrick Bailey, you're in, yeah, I know you look very amused, Peter. Uh, you're good there. But I look at the offense. I don't know how much I'm going to change here if I'm the San Francisco Giants. I think you know, you, let's just go through it and you tell me, you know, where you definitely want to go get an upgrade. I have obviously one spot in mind and I think we'll be in the same on the same page here. Jungle Lee center field, you just did that. Tyro Estrada second base, don't need to change anything there. Lamont Wade at first, he had a really nice bounce back year last year. I think he's great. Wilmer Flores in the DH role. That guy was unbelievable last year. He rakes. He rakes. And they need someone that can. He's the best hitter last year. He's great. I I can't believe his numbers. And you start to look at his career numbers. Pretty crazy. Conforto, you got to give it one more year. See how things go. You're paying him. Let's see what happens. Right. He's got the other, the other outfield spot. JD Davis also was awesome last year and somehow became good at defense at third base. You're good there. Yaskremski in right field, probably rolling with that, right? Because that's Yaskremski Hanniger. You just gave him another contract. So yeah. that's your guy. He's yep. in right field. And then you got you got Hanniger to spell either of those corners, right? If if Conforto struggles, slide Hanniger in there. And also Hanniger can take the left-handed, the left-on-left at bats for either of those guys and, and see plenty of, of action. I just hope he can stay healthy. Catcher Pat Bailey, you're good. So that just leaves us at shortstop. And you got Marco Luciano, who I know Farhan Zaidi is hoping can take that role at shortstop. I personally think that if you go into the season with just Marco Luciano, you're setting yourself up for failure because there's big swing and miss concerns still. He's just 22. He's improved defensively. I think he's an average defender at the spot. But if he's not hitting, he's not walking as much as you'd like. I do think he'll be able to walk. But And he's just a three true outcome home run guy. He's got to really run into homers, and that's not the best ballpark for homers. I think they're going to give him a shot, but Pete, like, do you go with a a higher end option and kind of block Luciano for one more year, or do you go insurance policy here and go with a lower end option that can plug in if Luciano doesn't win the job outright or struggles? Because I got a bunch of names for both of those uh, scenarios. Yeah, it's kind of gross. Uh, do we want to bring back Brandon Crawford? Or are we saying no to that? No, he's 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 <laughs> he's done so. Okay. He's done so. Uh, so I got a couple of options for you. Um, if you want to swing for the fences, you can go with Aldoberto Mondesi, but I would advise against it. Um, 
I mean, the glaring and obvious choice for this team is Tim Anderson, right? Like that has to be the guy who they're bringing in. Um, you trade either shortstop or you make a trade, which we can talk trades. But I think they just roll with Marco Luciano, right? The Yankees rolled with Anthony Volpe last year. You have to see if this guy is part of your future. Are you going to keep kind of babying him? Not babying him, of course, because he's still young. But when is the time where you give him the shot now, right? Let's say they miss out on Yamamoto. Let's say they miss out on Blake Snell. And let's say they get a Jordan Montgomery, for example. That's their big fish, which could very easily happen. But is this a team now where you're like, all right, we have Jamont, We have Logan Webb. Right. When you look at the rest of their rotation, Anthony Descalfani, Ross Stripling, Kyle Harrison, like, is this the year where they're like, all right, we need a shortstop. We can't roll the dice with Luciano. This is the year where you roll the dice with Luciano. Yeah. I don't think they should sign anybody. Yeah. Or like trade for like pitching. a. You've basically talked me off the ledge of trading for Willie Adamas, who I, it, no. won't be, it won't be a King's ransom, but it's going to be a good piece. Right. The Brewers are going to want arms. They're going to have to part with a Mason Black or somebody like that, who I actually end up thinking will probably be a rotation piece for them at some point this year. If you're trading for Adamas, like that's your shortstop moving forward. And he's then what do you even do with Luciano? You trade him then I, you got to see what you have. Yeah. So I think you go small trade. Kyle farmer. Sure. Okay. So Joey, <laughs> Joey Bart is now expendable. You send Joey Bart out okay. he, and, and whatever and a filler. Kyle Farmer coming in. Twins want to cut payroll. There you go. You got your your bench kind of utility guy who that, if, you know, Fusiano also has had health issues, right? He's, he's struggled to, to stay healthy. If he gets hurt, whatever, you put Kyle Farmer in there. If he's your nine hitter, whatever, that's fine. He's fine. So I think that's all you do on the offensive side, right? You, you sold me on waiting, right? Spend another year. See what you got. Maybe Casey Schmidt recaptures some of that magic that he had when he first got called up find some things and he could be that contingency plan so you do have like a contingency plan to the contingency plan if you just go low and get a kyle farmer without trading from the future here because to your point i do think if they sign a long-term deal with a free agent pitcher which we're going to get to and some of these young players that they've added of course lee being one of them and just some of the other pieces that they have and i think they're going to start to spend more in the next couple years when you get conforto off the books you're going to get uh i think who else you got J.D. Davis, I think, sets it free agency in, in a year or so. You got Yaskremski probably coming off the books relatively soon. I forget how long that extension was for. But I, deal, I think. you have Hanniger coming off the books in one or two years. So you have some unique aspects there where you might be able to clear some more money and be more aggressive moving forward. So we just go small. We swap Joey Bart and a flyer for Kyle Farmer. Sure. Or we could just, instead of trading anything, just go get Paul D. Young. Ugh. Just give me, just give I me. mean, it's not that much of a difference between these two. I, I mean, think it is. Here and you don't have to trade anything for them. They got to get rid of Joey Bart regardless. Now. Yeah, you just so yeah. done. Twins That's need a catcher. Thing. Can you can you explain that? Like, I know kind of the rough details, but for Giants fans listening who may not know, or for other teams who are just interested in a guy like Joey Bart, remember he was a second overall pick. Yeah, this guy was supposed to be the future at catching for the San Francisco Giants, and it's just. It's not going to end up working. It's it did. The swing is just so stiff. And and that was the big, I think that was the big challenge. It was all about the power. He had a lot of it. He, he produced some crazy exit velocities, but 
I've never no. It used to be a joke because like Giants fans would get mad at me about my my write ups on Joey Barton. I was like, it's just what I think. I'm sorry, but just a lot of swing and miss. He really had to cheat because the bat speed just wasn't always there, and uh, it just was stiff and slow. And so he'd start to try to swing earlier, and all of a sudden he's way out on his front foot, swinging at sliders at a ridiculous rate, and you're just getting fastballs blown by him. Just caught in between a lot, and then the defense just wasn't good enough to make up for that, right? To be that Mike Zanino type at the very least. He just wasn't able to be that. So it's not over for him. We see so many catchers figure it out in their late 20s and, you know, settle into at least some sort of, you know, borderline between starter and backup role. And I think that's what the Twins maybe could hope for in a swap there with Vasquez kind of being unusable, preferring Jeffers. Maybe they can dump Vasquez in another deal. So that'll be the small trade that we make. But where I'm excited to spend, Peter, is the pitching side. And I know they're not going to get, I, I know we both don't think they, he, they're going to get Yamamoto, but you look at starting pitching, Logan Webb extended. Great. That was great job. Hold on to that guy. He's as he safe as they 10. come. I think we, he, when we rank our starting pitchers, cause that's another factor of the off season that, you know, we love, we do playing general managers and we do all the rankings. How can we have Logan Webb outside the top 10 starting pitchers in baseball? The dude is just so damn consistent every year is one of the few innings eaters that we have left always a low threes, high twos. Yeah, he plays in a ballpark that helps him, but the ball's never in the air anyway, so I don't care what ballpark he yeah. plays in. I love Logan Webb, staple ace dude. dude. And he needs he needs an, a guy right beside him, right? Because I think Agreed. he's a frontline guy, yeah. but I almost feel like he is the perfect Robin to a Batman in a great rotation. I think he could be the Batman in a solid rotation, and that's potentially what he could be here, but... You know, I, I think that you could pair him with somebody that's swing and miss, you know, just rack up 10 plus K's and you have those two guys, one and two, you know, like one A, one B aces. I, I love the potential of that. And that's why I think the consistency of Logan Webb almost makes me more willing to pallet the volatility of a Blake Snell because, you know, you know, Webb's giving you a low threes. Snell could give you anything from a two five to a four. And I, I kind of want to find out. I agree. But before we move on, you said you said something that. um Webb would be a perfect Robin to a Batman. I think the dude is Batman. Since 2021, he's sixth in innings behind Wheeler, Burns, Nola, Cole, and Sandy. He has a lower ERA than all of them except Corbin Burns. 3.07 ERA since 2021 over 556 innings. Now, he doesn't have the strikeouts, but again, a better ERA. And when we look at the advanced numbers like FIP or XFIP or expected ERA, they're even better than the 307. 3.00 FIP, 3.03 XFIP. Keeps the ball on the ground. Keeps you within games. I think he is a legit Batman. Yeah. He's just not shiny. Yeah, I would say he's, he's not a- striking out 12 per nine innings. He doesn't throw 100 like Spencer Strider. But moving into next year, for example, Everybody's going to say I'm freaking nuts for saying that Logan Webb could be better than Spencer Strider. But ask yourself, when you put your head on the pillow at night, do you have more faith in Logan Webb throwing a 200 innings at a 3-1 ERA, let's say, or Strider throwing 200 innings at that? No, you, you make a good okay. argument. Honestly, I, I, even just to simplify it even more, I have more confidence in Logan Webb just having a higher F4 by the end of the year than, than, like than a Strider. Anybody. Most likely. Yeah. And, and I think fan graphs, I don't know how they do their rankings of, of pitchers and all that good stuff, but I think overall players in baseball, I don't know if it's overall players or, or just overall pitchers, but I think it's pitchers. They have them at number eight. So they're with you there. <laughs> and and that's, I, I think you're right. You know, he, he's definitely this 
puts out Batman production in a way that doesn't look like Batman. Right. So agreed. That's that's the side of it. That's really interesting. But also you make a good point that, you know, if you ask me going into next year, let's say they sign Blake Snell. Who do you who do you trust more? It's going to be Logan Webb. So I guess he is the Batman. I the the main point being the Cy Young. Like Blake still yeah. won the Cy Young and we have more faith in Webb. Like that's it, how good Logan Webb is. It's it's wild. And the, the larger point, though, is the number two has got to be better than Ross Stripling slash Anthony Descalfani yeah. slash Kyle Harrison slash Keaton Wynn slash whoever they put in there. So, yeah, I think with the stability that you get from Webb, I want to swing for the fences here mm-hmm. and I want to go with a Blake Snell. He, he stays on the West Coast. You can... Pallet, I think a decent chunk of money because you didn't spend any more on the offense. You're still around 70 million below the CBT. I don't think the market kind of the opposite of what we talked about with, with um, Yamamoto. I don't think the market percolates for Snell the way that maybe he was hoping his number might actually go down a little bit or kind of stay where a lot of teams thought it would be. And if the giants miss out on Yamamoto teams are focused on, you know, maybe him a little bit more and the giants kind of figure out that they're out of the sweepstakes a bit earlier. Maybe they can close in on Blake Snell and and have a little bit of an advantage there. And I will say, I mean, other than Kyle Harrison, who I do think can be a rotation piece for them this year, if he can kind of put things together, he showed some great flashes, but there's a lot of volatility there. That's their only left-hander that they have. So if Harrison struggles, you don't really even have a lefty in this rotation. I think Blake Snell is a perfect fit. He's beyond perfect. But it's just so funny. I'm laughing to myself looking at the potential free agents. I'm like, we're going to give all the Giants all these pitchers. They have all this money to play with. They can totally do it. And then what they're going to do is bring back Sean and I and Alex Wood and say we're running it back. Like, it's going to it's gonna be one of those things. And we're going to be sitting here in February when we're projecting these teams being like, damn it, they did it again, where they just got the bargain deals. Like, we could say, yes, Blake Snell. Perfect fit, right? You got Webb. You got your innings eater. Take the gamble with Blake Snell. Give him all this money. You can afford it. And then in two weeks, across the ticker, Lucas Giolito has signed a two-year deal with the San Francisco Giants for $28 million or whatever dumb shit they do. And then Giolito, to their credit, the Giants will probably finagle with him. I, I kind of like him. I have him I have I him earmarked here, by the we, way. We could talk about Lucas Giolito like, for this exercise – we can give them Blake Snell. Do I think Blake Snell's going to San Francisco? No. You can't. Because I think one of these teams that doesn't get Yamamoto is going to give Blake Snell an ungodly amount of money. And we're going to be sitting here thinking, Blake Snell got $250 million. Are we serious? No. <laughs> I said that in the group chat because I'm like, all right, if Yamamoto gets 330 what is Blake Snell, the Cy Young Award winner, the two-time Cy Young Award winner, one of the only pitchers in Major League history to win a Cy Young in both leagues going to ask for? An insane amount of money. But everybody feels the same way we do, which is, can you survive with 100 walks again? And I, I don't know. I think he'll survive. I just don't know if it's if it's with a Cy Young caliber performance and uh, in terms of preventing runs. I'm with you, but you can't fault the Giants 100%. Like, this isn't the Orioles comparison to me because they've tried you know if Carlos Correa had a normal ankle he's he's a he's a giant uh they obviously tried for Aaron Judge and it wasn't about the money it was just about Judge's decision so those are two guys that they pushed really hard to to try to get and shelled out a lot of money for that just kind of fell through the wayside or fell over to the wayside so I think that 
it's it's do or die here. If they don't do it this year, then I'm with you. I'm going to just start doubting that they're ever going to make that big splash. But they paid more than almost anybody was expecting for Jung Huli, a guy that you know I know they've been in on for years in terms of just monitoring and, and seeing where he's at. And then now they're in an opportunity where they can lock up a pitcher for a little bit. I think you could go the Snell route. I also think you could go the Imanaga route. And I think Giolito is also an Obrana. I think they need two arms. I think you they could need also two. go to the. You know what kind of feels like the Jung Hu Lee move of pitchers is to get Imanaga or get Jordan Montgomery, right? Six years, $150 million. Big fish, some in the World Series, obviously is a good pitcher, would do very well in San Francisco. Like that, I think, is the medium between what we're saying. You're higher on the Giants' ability to get the big fish. I'm a little bit lower. And that middle pitcher who's still very good and is still considered a big fish. Like you spend $150 million on a pitcher who's just in the World Series and, and a horse in the World Series and in the regular season has been a very solid pitcher now for a while. That doesn't he feel like a San Francisco Giant among all the pitchers that we've named? Jordan Montgomery? Yeah. Or do you want to swing for the fences and go Snell? I'm I, down to do it. I just don't believe that it's going to happen. No, and I think, you know, I think with Snell too, I don't know if that's exactly what they're looking for because you're getting a, a a bit of a left-handed sprayer in terms of, you know, the command not always being there, the stuff being insane. It's like, oh yeah, we've got that in, in the works right now in Kyle Harrison, who's also this left-handed sprayer. And if you got two guys, you know, in your rotation that could walk 75 to 100 each, you know, over the course of a full season, that that's tough to pallet. So I, I, I think Jamon could be a perfect fit. Think about one more thing, too. What do the Giants like to do, right? Because right now we're seeing Desclafani, Kyle Harrison, Keaton win. We know that the Giants like to do a bullpen game every other day, right? So you get a guy like Logan Webb who's going to eat 200 innings. You get a guy like Jordan Montgomery who probably could eat 200 innings. Then in your last three, you could do the striplings and the bullpen games and the Kyle Harrisons and just kind of be really strategic with those last three spots. Maybe then we go get them a Lucas Giolito. I like Giolito That's what the Giants just do. Right. So it's like the Giants are one of the only teams in Major League Baseball. And it's funny, maybe the other team is the Tampa Bay Rays, or we're going to talk about a little bit, where they don't need to have the classic five starters available. They will have the bullpen games. They have like 70 bullpen arms who could throw like two to three innings. Like John Brebby, I feel like should be a starting pitcher at this point because I feel like he throws 200 innings every year out of the bullpen. So with them, I think Jordan Montgomery, Logan Webb, you just lock up around 400 innings. And then you could gamble with the Giolito. If you can fix him, great. I, I like the fit. I like the Giolito fit because of the fact that he was burned by the long ball. Yeah, And this is the one spot where, you know, it might work in your favor a little bit more. Home run to fly ball rate has been egregious for him the last few years. Put him in a spot where, you know, you can get away with more mistakes. The ball dies at the track. You don't have as many long balls. Maybe he can be a, a low fours guy there. And if he's a low fours guy for them, you talking about innings eaters, by the way, he, I know he's been hurt in the past. He threw 180 last year. I know he wasn't exactly. good. We just saw guys get 12 mil, you know, over with the Cardinals that just to be 36 year old innings eaters. And, and Giolito has way more upside than that still to, to capture something in the middle. I like that. I think we go Montgomery and Giolito. And Giolito. And that's probably the same price or less of Blake Snell. And you could still kind of look forward and maybe be prepared to spend next year or the year after when some of those older outfielders come off the books. Like, let's say Logan Webb, Jordan Montgomery, Lucas Giolito, Kyle Harrison, and Ross Stripling. And if Kyle Harrison hits, 
that's a great rotation. That's a great rotation. Doesn't, okay, you have Anthony Descalfani at bullpen games. You can still win games, right? I remember the tail end of the year, they're going into Atlanta. It's like three bullpen games against like Morton Freed and Strider. I think they won the series, right? It's like yeah. it's like series like that where they just win those games. But then if you would just have those safe innings eaters, that's what I feel the Giants need. I don't want them to gamble on a Blake Snell. And even if they said they do, I still don't think that he's going to be their guy. I think that Snell is going to go to one of those teams that doesn't get Yamamoto. Like, I think Snell's going to end up being a Red Sox. I can see and that. we've also heard that the hometown kid, the Mariners really want him, right? What if they trade a Brian Wu, a Brian Miller in order to get a guy like Blake Snell, right? They trade Wu or Miller in order to get hitting. Then they sign Blake Snell. I just feel like that's going to happen over just the Giants. They have money, so they should get the next best free agent. Yeah. That's why I feel like this plan is more solid. I'm with you. That's cool. I'm I'm in on it. And, and I think that's, Probably the great plan. That's a better great offseason. Season. Yeah. John and, and, Lee, Jordan Montgomery, and Lucas G. Lito, like that's still a very good offseason. And with the bullpen, again, you talked about it. That's the strength. You don't need to touch it, right? Do- Doval, Tyler Rogers, Taylor Rogers, Luke Jackson, Ryan Walker. You got Sean Jelly. <laughs> and then you got Eric Miller, who they traded for, who actually could be a big whiff lefty if, if they can get him to, to corral his, his, his stuff a little bit. And then Tristan Beck. Respectfully, Sam Jelly's not making it through the year. I mean, the dude's six yeah. ten. Like he. No, I agree. I don't think. Pitch, I was like, yeah, I don't think he's get... ultimately a piece. Maybe they go sign a reliever. They also have a lot of a lot of homegrown guys. I think that they could bring up that that factor in. They don't really need to make another move there, though. I, I think they're they're pretty good overall. Should they risk it with Fuji? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, might. I mean, why not? If we want, if you want to throw them Fuji, we can throw them Fuji. And I mean, that's just another high upside arm that they could put in the fifth inning because they've got so many other sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth inning guys. I know it doesn't sound like much, but John Brebbia is a free agent. This guy has been so huge for them. He's not the greatest reliever in the world, but the amount of innings this guy has logged for the San Francisco Giants over the past couple of seasons is absurd. They're going to have to fill that. That's why I think they're actually, they should be a little bit more active. Like bring in Colin McHugh, right? Like maybe you give Matt Moore a shot. Jacob Junis is another guy like they they I feel like they need more bullpen than we think because they're losing guys who are their openers. They're two, they're three inning guys. Well, Keaton Wynn, I guess if we bring in these these starters, Keaton Wynn would get dropped down to the, like the long relief role. And he had some decent flashes. So Wynn 100%. could be. So I think, yeah, you could pick a random vet reliever or roll with Keaton Wynn taking one of those longer relief spots. But I think with the rotation kind of being focused on those two arms we added, I think, I think that'll be the focus is your zoom starts to do crazy things. I I didn't, I haven't done the zoom update and I'm afraid to, if I put my hands up, just crazy stuff happens. I have two guys who I want them to sign. Go get Phil Maton and go get Shintaro Fujinami. Try. And just build the best bullpen of all time. I think you get Maton and I think you get Fuji because Fuji can go a couple innings and Maton has proven that he can do that too. You can go get a couple other, like there's a bunch of other names um, like Ryan Tapera. You could try <laughs> Jake Diekman. Um, there's not that many great. I'd like a lefty Josh Fleming. Oh, get Josh Fleming. Fleming's Josh perfect. Fleming with the Rays. Yeah. Fleming is per- perfect. Let's get Fleming and Maton. Done. 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 They need Great. one more lefty because Rogers is the one lefty. And if Eric Miller struggles to, you know, command anything as he has in the minors, that's their only lefty is Rogers. So there we go. We'll we'll go Fleming and then try to get a Maton. 
And yeah. it's, it's going to be a competitive uh, spring training there because it's going to be a lot of guys competing for uh, not enough bullpen spots, which is great. We want to breed competition in San Francisco. And I'll tell you what, that team's going to be a lot better than it was last year. And I think it could be a pretty fun group, uh, just even with those additions. We kind of glossed over the bench, but I think we did that for a reason. I don't think they need to add much, right? No. Like, no, Slater's good on the bench. Hanniger, Murphy, Brett Wisely, and they have other prospects. I think that's fine. So the offense, we already know what it is. Arm went over it at the beginning. We're not making any changes, right? Like, did we trade for Kyle Farmer or did we decide to just We, we traded for Kyle Farmer. We traded for Kyle Farmer. Need so him in Joey town. Bart, unfortunately, is out of here. So we do have Kyle Farmer and Marco Luciano manning shortstop. Bailey at catcher, Yastrzemski in right, J.D. Davis at third, Conforto in left, Flores at DH, Lamont Wade Jr. at first, Tyro Estrada at second, Jung Huli in center. The new San Francisco Giants rotation, Logan Webb, Jordan Montgomery, Lucas Giolito, Kyle Harrison, and then you got Descalfani, you got Stripling, you got Keaton Wynn, you, got, you can do whatever you want. Then you have a bullpen, Camilo Duvall, Tyler and Taylor Rogers, Luke Jackson, Ryan Walker, but we added Josh Fleming, and Phil Maton. That's a super pen. That's that is a team that could finish with more wins than the Diamondbacks. I think that's a team that can do what the Giants do, right? Platoon yeah. and mix and match and just surprise you. And you're like, how are they doing this? And all of a sudden, they've got guys contributing. Every almost every player on the 26 man roster is giving them something. And all of a sudden they're right in, in the thick of it for, you know, the, the wild card spot in the NL. I think that's all it takes. And we stayed under the tax, right? We had 70 million to play with. We didn't spend that much. We are no. under the tax. Well under. And you have a much more competitive team, a more sound team, a more consistent team. The problem is the offense. Like they have like all their starters, but it's just, they got to see it through, like, man. Number four is hitting third. Like I, I like them, but like, that's what we're doing here. And, they like, got to see it through. Trade them. Exactly. And a lot of those guys, again, it's one or two more years on their deals. They'll just, they're just going to have to see it through. If they, if they hit the wall and they struggle, like it is what it is. That's the bed they made for at least one more year with that ball club. So a team that we don't really need to look at the competitive balance tax because it's irrelevant (laughs) because they'll always be so far from it is the second team we're going to go through here. Probably won't take as long, but there are some intriguing aspects of this. The Tampa Bay Rays, the Rays are always going to be unconventional. They're always going to do something that you're like, oh, Why would they do that? But then you start to understand that it's how they perpetually stay in the hunt. One example of that is the trade that they just made. Only one year left of control. It's hourglass now. They go and ship him out. They go get a guy that's probably going to be their fourth outfielder in Johnny DeLuca. And more importantly, a guy that could easily be their three starter or at least their four starter uh, right away in Ryan Pepio. So they make that move and they might not be done because their payroll is still expected to be slightly elevated from where they normally like to sit. And the way that they usually trim that is trading guys that are in arbitration or towards the end of their arbitration. So we're going to go through this lineup. There's things that we're not going to change, of course. And then we got to have the discussion that has kind of been had already in terms of just everyone's been saying Randy and Isak Paredes are going to get traded, right? Randy Rosarena, Isak Paredes. I think maybe one of them gets traded. And I wanted to have a conversation with you about which of those guys you move. So we'll go through the offense and then you want to discuss who they should move of the two, or if you want to make the case for moving both, you always can. But here's one other hurdle on this. Do we operate under the assumption that Wander Franco is not playing this year? I feel like you have to. You have to. You just have to assume that he's not. 
But the thing is, at the same time, like it's just going to be Taylor Walls. So I think we just don't touch shortstop at all. Well, and, I don't and, think that they're going to go out and get one. I think no. it's either going to be Wander comes back. I don't. We don't know what's going to happen there, or it's just Taylor Walls and he's the starting shortstop because he's not bad. Like he's proven that he could be fine. And then I want to talk about the third base position because there's a guy that they absolutely should trade, and then there's one guy that they absolutely should not trade. Yeah, exactly. And then you can also factor in depending on whether they make a move at third base or not. Like Junior Caminero could play some short. Oslavis Basabe I think could even be better than Taylor Walls. Like they have enough fill-in options here where I think they could piece it together. So you operate under the assumption that there's no wander because again, everything that that I've kind of dug into just reading is that the investigations tend to go even slower compared to our legal system in the DR. So it, it might not even be a matter of, of innocence versus guilt. Just the process itself is going to take a while anyway. So there's just everything working against him being able to actually play this year in, in any respect. So you, you operate assuming he's not there. Let's just go through the lineup. Yandy Diaz yep. at first base. Don't need to change a damn thing. Stud. Love him. Josh Lowe and Wright. I've Love that guy since he was a prospect. He really put it together. He ain't moving. It's too yep. early in his deal. Brandon Lowe, please stay healthy. But they're Brandon Lowe, they're not going to trade him now because his yep. value is low. And, you know, he's still one of their better bats when healthy. Not going to move one him. thing. It's really hard to just go through these names because we got Brandon Lowe. We got Brandon Lowe. We got Josh Lowe. We got Josh Lowe. We got some really really lows. And then when you're buying low, like it's it's tough. It's, so. it's a broadcaster's nightmare. Yes. Um, Jose Siri in center field. Yep. Easy. Renee Easter Pinto, a catcher, yeah. like easy, easier I, center fielder. Yeah, like he slugged 494 he last year with he did, but he also now. got on base at a 267 club. <laughs> like, I, I omitted that for a reason, Peter. Um, Luke Rayleigh at DH, like I guess yeah. he kind of yeah. raked, dude. He raked, I mean, 333 OBP, 490 slug, hit 19 bombs, and people forget about the speed, 14 stolen bases. Yeah, he's your DH, he's good. And then Pinto, I actually think is a really underrated catcher. I loved what I saw from him in the minors. And then they went out we and got Alex him. Jackson to back him up. That's fine. They're just going to roll with that. We have to sign a catcher. We have oh, to you get want- a catcher. Yeah, I want to get a catcher. And I have a couple ideas for you. Okay. I, I mean, I think Alex Jackson at backup is ridiculous. So I, I think they do need to, to upgrade that. We'll get to catcher in a sec, I think. Okay. Or do you just want to knock that out and then hash out who gets traded? Let's knock out catcher and then let's talk okay. trades. Um, all in one. Catcher, couple of options for you. I'd like to call Alex Anthopoulos and see what it would take to get Travis Darno. Right? I mean, w- w- they're using the DH. They have Marcelo Zuna. Like, there's not really a spot for him. I know they've been going back and forth between Murphy and and Darno, but Alex Anthopoulos has already made like 17 trades already. I'm sure he'd get on the phone and say, "We are willing to trade Travis Darno, so we can come up with a trade for him, or we could just sign Mitch Garver." Like Caratini was a guy who I was kind of interested in, but he already signed. So it's like, oh, well, I can't get him. The catching position is so bare. I mean, it's still so bare. And it's like all the guys who are up and coming, of course, they're not going anywhere. And then you have the older guys who are already in big deals where they aren't going anywhere. So I think the guys who we have to look for, like we could just get Jan Gomes, I guess. I don't think they can go into the season with this catching situation. I really don't think so. I I think they at the very least, have to get Mitch Carver, trade for Darno, or sign Jan Gomes. They, I think they have to. Like, he might be an underrated catcher, but is he a catcher starting 120 games this year? Like, no, he's the he's a backup, I think. Who? Go- Gomes Pinto. or Darno? Pinto. 
No, I'm saying oh, they're a Pinto. current catching situation. Oh. This is why they need to go get a guy like that. Yeah, I mean, they, they were starting Christian Bentoncourt before and and Francisco yeah, and Mejia. Mejia. Like, they, they don't give a shit. Had, like a catcher in so long. Like a good starting catcher in a long time. And and the challenge, though, is like they're already trying to shed money. I know. That's why I think they're just going to roll with Rene Pinto. I, I actually think uh-huh. he's like fine. I do. How expensive is Mitch Garver going to be? I think. Like how expensive is a Jan Gomes going to be? I think they have to get Gomes. Gomes. I like Gomes. You have to get Gomes, I think. I think they won't, but I'm down to do it. Like, yeah, they're not going to, are they? I I like Jan Gomes, but again, like, I think they look at the four million dollars that is going to Tom Murphy, that the, the we just saw the Giants and offer, they just and grew then, up in their yeah, mouth. they vomited. They're <laughs> like, like that's money to them. Like that that's like eight percent of their payroll next year. <laughs> it's so I think for that reason, I'm with you. Like in in a world where they are not treating the team like a hedge fund. I am absolutely going and getting a backup catcher. I don't think they do it. So assuming they don't, but we are putting it out there as our disclaimer. They should. I don't yes. think they do. I'm happy to do it. If you want, you can go get him. Sandy Leone. I'm sure. He, he'd be the vet men or he'd be on the minimum. Kirk Casale, like, like anyone that's on like the minimum, I guess like you could go get a minimum bet. Alex Jackson's not an option. I don't, I don't know why he's, I don't. I hope they don't plan on using him as the backup. I think you just go get a vet on the minimum. Tucker Barnhart, like sure. Roberto Perez, like just pick any, like any, any one of those dudes. I'm not taking the time to to see who frames better. I'm just not doing it. (laughs) But just pick pick one of them, and we'll. So we'll just say any veteran minimum backup catcher. Done with the robo ups. Like it won't matter in a few years anyway. So they're like. All right, just frame for us well this year for 80 games. So we'll yes. give you like 40 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and cover and cover your lodging. Done deal. So whatever veteran is down that bad and just wants to bring job. back Sunino. He might strike out 100% of the time next year. Yeah. He might have the first 80% K rate. Um, yeah. I, so I'm cool with any of those vets. Okay. Just random Let's bets. Give them Yasmani Grandal. I'm just kidding. Let's give them. Ugh. I mean, it's like, I really want them to sign Mitch Carver. It's gonna be expensive, man. Gonna... I'll be surprised. Got you. No, I know they're not gonna get him. Um, it's a backup catcher. Who gives a let's, shit? Let's let's trade for Travis Darno. It's not dude. They're not trading money. assets for Travis Darno. There's no way. And he's expensive. Yeah. That it's gonna be, be Sandy Leone, and we'll call it a okay. day. Oh, all right. Congratulations, Rays. Our first signing for you is Sandy Leone. Yay. Fun. Okay, here's the big one. Randy Rosarena or Isak Paredes, who do you keep? Who do you trade? They can't trade both. I think it's insane to trade both. You are pretty much waving the white flag if you move both of those guys. I understand that Randy comes with less control, right? So Randy's going to come with two years of control, and then a super two player like Isak Paredes should come with, what, four years of control beyond this one. He's a free agent in 2028. So the difference here, though, is because he's a super two player, he's going to be a little bit more expensive in arbitration. He being Isak Paredes. So that definitely is in their mind right now. Right. They're like, okay, he's going to be a little bit more in arbitration the first year. And it's going to climb and climb and climb and climb. Whereas I think he's estimated to make anywhere between four and five million in this in this arbitration. I think Randy's expected to make between seven and eight, if I'm not mistaken. 
I'd rather hold on, given the state of this roster and the state of the 40 man, I think you got to keep Randy. And I'm okay with moving Paredes in the right spot, who would also carry more trade value given his control. I At least I would like to believe. Yeah, I'm glad you broke it down like that, because for me, it's about the easiest question in the world. You're trading Isak Paredes and you're not thinking about it, and there's no way in hell you're trading Randy Rosarina. You just can't. He's your star. You just cannot trade a guy like that, right? He is Tampa Bay. I was just saying, I'd rather have great players, but he's the world baseball classic guy. Like he's playoff Randy. He's the guy who's selling tickets. He's your marketable star. You could say, all right, well, they have outfielders coming up. It doesn't matter. Randy is your guy, especially with Wander going down like this. You have to hold on to something. You got to believe in something. Yeah. That's Randy. Randy has to stay away. Junior Camonero could be better than Isak Paredes next year and be playing third base. Like there's, there's you, Isak Paredes has to be gone, but, but that's no disrespect to Isak Paredes. The Rays are going to get a good package for him. He is yeah. a good player. He's coming off 30 home runs. But of course, there is the nerds like us who sit in our basement and don't see sunlight, don't talk to any women or any significant other, and are talking about the batted ball data, right? Like we're using all these nerd things and talking about how the quality of contact wasn't elite and probably won't lead to 30 home runs again. It was a lot of pull side bombs. It was a lot of home runs. that went 350 feet in Tampa, but that's fine. He's still a good player. Like the reason I'm bringing that up is people find these stats and they hammer them down so hard that it's like, okay, now he's not good. And it's like, come on. Like, what is he going to regress to the 22 home runs? Like he's still a good player. Yeah. That's the only reason I brought it up is because you find these advanced stats, you hammer them so hard, and then you almost drill it down so the guy's nothing. Yeah. Stop. You, you, Still a good player. You, yeah, you get too far away from, from exactly. the, the, the original point. And also, That's quick correction. Internet. Quick That's correction. Three years for Randy Arozarena. That was my mistake. So he's got three years of control. Even more of a reason why I would wait another year when you have a little bit more clarity. And yeah. if you really want to move Randy a year after that, okay, he still has two years of control. You'll still get a haul for him. And you can Paredes, win the division this year. You're not trading Randy. Yeah, I'm with you. And Paredes is is I I do think that he probably stood on his head a little bit last year. I think there's a natural slight dip just with how pitchers kind of attack him and try to yeah. use that pull happy approach against him. But again, I still think he's a perpetual, well above average third baseman that can give you four wins pretty much every single year. And that's a really valuable player with four years of control. So 350, 352 OBP guy last year. Yeah. I mean, maybe the power isn't going to be as good, but he's still a great, he's still very disciplined at the plate. And we're bringing up the zone contact rates. Like he is still making a lot of contact and he's a smart player. Any team would be happy to have Isak Paredes at third base. You don't slug 488 by accident. Like you could talk about the quality contact guys just maximize their power. Some guys are really good at that. Paredes is one of them. One other note to it about the third base position and why I'd be more comfortable to move a guy in a corner like Paredes rather than a corner outfield spot like a Rosarena. They have Junior Caminero. But again, even if you wanted to slide Caminero over to short because all of your plug and play guys like Basabe or Walls aren't working, you got Curtis Mead. That sense. I know before you complete that sentence, it's amazing that Caminero can go to shortstop. The dude is a truck. It's insane. The fact that he can also play shortstop like this, there's no wonder this guy is the second rated prospect on just baseball top 100. Oh, yeah. Like you keep saying he can move over to short. I saw about the futures come up like, how is he going to do that? But then I saw him move and I'm like, wait a minute, or <laughs> might be onto something. He is crazy. Yeah. Crazy. 
He's a freak. And even if he's below average defensively, that's fine. He's going to hit a ton as long as he's not a liability. And I don't think he will be. I think he can hold it down well enough. That's all you need. Uh, and then Walls can plug in and give you good defense you know, otherwise. So that's even in, in, in a case where Walls isn't performing, Basabe isn't performing. You have Curtis Mead, who can also play third, was banged up last year. I think the world of him. He's still you know, one of my favorite corner infield bats you know, prospect-wise. And you have Austin Shenton, who they, got, who they added to the 40-man roster after he went nuts last year. Like, absolutely crazy season in the upper minors. Also a guy that could play third for them. So they've got a lot of options. So we agree we're going to trade Paredes. Yep. We did the playing GM Mariners episode. We didn't end up pulling the trigger on that trade just because I think it just seems like the Mariners are going to kind of be a little bit timid and paralyzed or whatever it may be. But I think to play both sides of it, I think in this instance, maybe we do try the trade and and see what it looks like. Otherwise, I'm curious where else you would want to send him. Can I give you another team? Yeah. Detroit Tigers. I know he's a former Detroit Tiger, but their starting third baseman right now is Matt Veerling. And then you can move Veerling to another spot. Like, I think that's the deal. They need a third baseman. And they have tons of prospects in order to trade. I, I think the Tigers, like, people are going to say I'm crazy. I think they could win the division next year. The Twins are not adding anybody else. The Guardians are on a downward trend, it seems like. I still believe in the Guardians. But that division is wide open. The Tigers won 78 games last year, and they're adding. And a lot of their starters, right? Scooball, just to make sure I have my numbers right, yeah, he only threw 80 innings last year. Like, they have a lot of potential here. I think they make a splash and trade for Paredes. And I also think, when you talk about the Mariners being a little bit timid, I don't think the Tigers would be timid in this situation. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's a belief in the Tigers, but I think this is a move that they should be making. What could they offer that would help the Rays now is the challenge. Like they just signed Jack Flaherty on a one-year to help bolster their rotation. They signed Kenta Maeda, the Tigers, this is, on a two-year to help bolster that rotation. Do you think, um, and I don't know if the Tigers would do this, but what they do have is a luxury of a lot of these young pitchers. Would they be interested in a Manning or a Reese Olsen? in that trade as the headliner going over. Not that I think they'd want to Because you know the Rays would probably look at one of these guys and be like, I like that slider. Right? <laughs> like so one of them well, ironically I say that. Ironically, I hate Manning's pitch shapes and Reese Olsen's fastball sucks in terms of shape. But yeah, he does Rays, have a nasty breaking ball. Ray's got like Zach Latell. I just like, I think it's did, did you like Jake Diekman's pitch shape before he went over? I mean kind of but you know what I'm saying, right? Like they'll it's, just find something that nobody else sees and then it's like wait a minute. Reese Olsen is like the eighth best pitcher in the American League on the race. Uh, so, the, like, let's let's go to the Rays rotation, right? I guess to, to answer this question, because whatever they trade for is not going to be a bat. I think we were we're in agreement here, right? That the offense is pretty good because you even have Johnny DeLuca on the bench, who I actually really like as a lefty masher and someone who can plug in all three outfield spots. Harold Ramirez has really hit the ball well and, and is another really quality, you know, just bench bat platoon piece for you there. And then we have walls on the bench as well. And then all the guys that we mentioned that have options that are kind of waiting in the wings in the minor leagues. The rotation goes as follows. Zach Eflin, of course, this is with the injuries. Zach Eflin, Aaron Savali, Ryan Pepio, Shane Boz, and Zach Littell. Of course, injured right now. Shane McClanahan will probably be out for the entire year. Drew Rasmussen, 
We don't know. It's an internal brace procedure, probably out for the majority, if not the whole year. Jeffrey Springs, you're hoping to get maybe back at the end of the year, um, but that would be optimistic. But maybe second half, end of the year, you could get Springs back. They need an arm or two. Taj Bradley as well. Taj Bradley, thank you for that. Actually, yeah, Taj Bradley as well, who hopefully should be able to make another step forward and and be a a better piece for them. And I, I think very highly of, of of Bradley as a pitcher, and he should be an option for them. So, I mean, is it crazy? I know these guys are injured. But isn't it crazy that if these guys were healthy, they still would, might have the best rotation in baseball? Like, just assuming health, obviously, this has, doesn't work for this exercise. It's just fun talking baseball in the offseason. Like, Shane McClanahan, Drew Rasmussen, Jeffrey Springs, Zach Eflin, Ryan Pepiot, Aaron Savali, Shane Boz. It's crazy. Taj Bradley. It's insane. It's amazing. Their like, injured rotation is crazy. If you count Shane Boz as quote-unquote injured, McClanahan, Rasmussen, Springs, Boz is like, one of the better rotations in baseball and that's their injured that's rotation. Yeah. So yeah. that's the other side of it too, though, is like, okay, you do trade Paredes for a controllable arm. That's close to big league ready. Well, yeah. now you're going to have a, a glut of arms that are big league ready next year. So to your point, they could just dump Paredes for prospects, like high upside prospects. And if they do that, then maybe the giants are a better match, or excuse me, then the tigers are a better match to give them, you know, prospects that might be further off that have high upside that could be of intrigue and make the deal work. My concern is everything we said about the the batted ball profile. Like I think it plays in most ballparks and it won't be an issue. Comerica may be the one ballpark that hurts Paredes home run wise. But if I'm not mistaken, we looked at his, uh, I think like home runs by ballpark on Savant. And I think it was surprising that it wasn't as bad. I'm pulling it up right now in Comerica. I'm looking across. Oh, oh my gosh. He would have had nine home runs in Baltimore, but that's like everybody. I think Alex Bregman would have had eight home runs in Baltimore. Paredes would have had 29 in Detroit. (laughs) That's kind of crazy, which is actually one of the higher totals. It's crazy how that all works for for the sake of being different. Cause we could sit here and just do Paredes for woo fillers either way and, and do what everybody is already expecting. That hasn't happened yet. I will say that if they do that trade, it has to be for Wu, not Miller. I think Wu's better, and I think the Rays would prefer Wu. But again, better? I do think Wu's better. Hmm. I keep going I, back and forth on this. I don't know. And I they're still similar. I think Wu. I like Wu a lot. I think Wu is more upset, but I think Bryce Miller is a higher floor. He's, he's definitely safe, and I, I think the Rays would prefer Wu. But probably, do we operate under the assumption that like, hey, let's well, that's not going to happen, and let's try to be different here? Because again, if, that's a trade I'm, that's been floated back and forth for like. Over a month now. How about this as a prospect? It's a good catching prospect. Could we float like Dylan Dingler and then another prospect, catching prospect from the Tigers to the Rays, another prospect for Isak Paredes? Maybe it's not major league ready guys. Maybe that's not what they're in the market for. Maybe they want to keep reloading in that farm system. Maybe it's a Ty Madden and a Dylan Dingler, and then that's the deal. Is that too much? Is that not enough? Tigers can swing that. Definitely not too much. You're getting Ty Madden, upside, Dylan Dingler, one of the better catching prospects. I'd say, I think a little bit more. I think they got to go like, if you're going to get four years of Paredes after what he's done, like a Jace Young, a Ty Madden, and a Dylan Dingler. Would the Tigers trade Job? No. 
Yeah, I don't. Think I so. wouldn't trade that guy for almost anything. No, <laughs> I, I, think I agree. So I just special. wanted to bring him up. No, no, it's a good question. People are probably wondering yeah. that. No, I don't even care if they're about to to win the division. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I'm not trading that guy for anything. Um, yeah. So let's let. What if it was Ty Madden, Justin Henry Malloy, and Dylan Dingler for Isak Paredes? Make it Jace Young. You think it'd take that much more? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, okay. Jace I, I don't think is Isak Paredes like that's that's a Four years of doing that, just, he just hit thirty-one bombs. He just hit thirty-one bombs. Four yeah, years of control. Four years of control is a lot of years of control. That is true. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and the Tigers uh, have a lot of second basemen. Colt Keith is probably going to play second or true. third. Jace Young is stuck to second. Kevin McGonigal, how, who they just drafted, who I love, just baseball top one hundred guy, how second base. How you leave? Who they just traded yeah. for second base? Max Anderson, who they just drafted, second base. So I think that could be the that could be the move. Yeah. I'm in. So we'll do Jace Young, Ty Madden, and Dylan Dingler. Because also, Brandon Lowe, Brandon Lau, he might want another second baseman in the pipe. Oh, and, they, they and, so and if many. he has a good year, you know they're cashing in. And then oh, and then waiting in the wings is, is Jace Young, who's about a year away. Exactly. So I like that. Let's roll with that. Okay. Congratulations, Tigers. You have Isak Paredes. Congratulations, Rays. You got three nice prospects. So Isak Paredes is gone. Junior Caminero, I think, is just a starting third baseman. And then it's Oselvis Basabe and Taylor Walls. You really want to move Caminero to short, which I'm surprised by. I, I'm just I don't. 30 the truck. I don't. I'm just assuming. I'm assuming those guys don't work out. If you trade Paredes now, it, you, you put Caminero at third, you're, you're, you're good to go. But I, yeah. if if walls or Basabe just are unusable, then you could you could flip them over there in a pinch. I think the is perfect Camaro is still a rookie next year, right? Yeah, yeah, very yeah. much so. Uh, so early I like rookie him at third. Of the pick, early rookie of the year pick. He is mine, and uh, whatever the number is, I'm betting it. Yeah, I'm with you. He's just a letting freak you know. show. Just letting so, the people know for put that's already my pick. So just put that in your back pocket on BetMGM. So him at third base. And then you got Basabe and Walls at short, kind of piece it together there. I think that's fine. The offense yeah. doesn't really drop off much if Brandon Lau picks up his his slack from the last year, and it's mostly health related. And Junior Caminero plays to his potential. And then again, you got Meade who could plug into third. You've got other guys as well. Like I, I do think that if if their offense is floundering and they want to get creative, then you slide Caminero over, and then you put Meade at third, and now all of a sudden you got major upside you know, in terms of your offense. So you've got options and that's, that's what I like. So we're good there. Then you look at the rotation arm. I don't think we're doing anything. I don't think so either. I mean, this rotation, just the healthy guys has a ton of upside. Like Pepeote, I think is going to be a star. Shane Boz. I've just been praising him ever since I saw him in the features game where I'm like, he's DeGrom. We'll see, but I still think he has loads of talent. Eflin has proved that he's awesome. Savali is just actually, I, he's a good pitcher. Like, is he going to put up a 3-4-6 again? Maybe not, but if he puts up a 3-8 and 150 innings, like, again, valuable guy. And then they're just going to have 78 bullpen games throughout the year. So all I wouldn't, I'm not touching the rotation. It's done, right? Because then you got Taj Bradley, too, and then hopefully you get um, maybe McClanahan, Rasmussen, Springs. Let's hope one of them comes back towards the tail end of the year. Like, those are your starters. And then in the bullpen, like, let's just give him a couple more relievers and call it a day because we don't have to really do much else. We're not trading Randy. No shot. Unless the team just blows this out of the water. I mean, if they do that, like, whatever. Yeah. Maybe then you do it. But 
they would have to blow the shit out of the water. Paredes could be gone to a multitude of teams. I think that Tigers deal makes a ton of sense. And I'd like them to get Mitch Carver. They won't. I'll, I'll, I'll sit here praying they get Jan Gomes. Like, that's where we're at right here. Yeah. But I, they, they might just roll with that. Um, let's just give him a bullpen arm. Who do we want to give him? Um, who's a guy with just like a, just a slider? Like Kenyon Middleton feels like a Ray. I mean, yeah, put, 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 put Keenan Middleton there. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. Go Middleton, optimize that slider. He's a Tampa Bay Ray. He was and, great for the And Rays fans, if you don't like that trade specifically, it's more of an exercise thing. There's probably yeah. other, come up with other prospect packages. Actually, I'd love to see in the replies because it's hard to, you know, think of every single team that would maybe pony up for a third baseman. I thought about the Cubs potentially, but, you know, what can they yeah. offer? That could be a team that puts together a fun package. So, you know, we'd be spending... 45 minutes coming up with packages. That's almost a call-up episode in itself. Comment some of the prospect packages you think are are the most interesting that you'd like to see for Paredes as well. Uh, but that's kind of the loose framework. I mean, this bullpen to wrap up here, dude, Fairbanks, Jason Adam, you know, those guys being healthy is huge. Poche, Kittredge being healthy, huge. And, you know, he came back at the end of the year. We know what he can be when he's right. Sean Armstrong, Garrett Clevenger, Chris Davinsky, and they added Tyler Alexander on waivers. I think you could probably go get one more impact arm. That's Middleton, as you mentioned. That slider will play. And from there, I think the Rays are just going to Ray next year. Should we give the Rays Aaron Loop just to see what they could do with him? <laughs> Is he better than Garrett Clevenger? No, but I just kind of want to see if they could figure him back out again. Can we give him be, just to see? He could be better than they just claimed Tyler Alexander for that exact reason, I think. that They were probably considering, do we do Alexander or do... Do we do loop? Or loop. Like they already got three lefties. I'm sorry. I'm vetoing your loop edition there. What um, about Brad Hand? Another lefty. Another old lefty who I feel like they could just I find. think they're good, bro. <laughs> they're good. They're good. So no <laughs> Brett Suter? <laughs> no. More lefties. They're good. That's All it. Right. That's it. I hope they bring back Robert Stevenson, though, too. He's He became so good with the Rays, and I just feel like he should stay there. Every other team wants him now, but since every other team wants him. He's probably going to go somewhere else, but that'll do it here for the just baseball show. Um, before we go, we'll, I'll give you a quick recap of the Rays team. Now, Yanni Diaz at first, um, someone at short Taylor walls, Osevas Pasabe and left field, Randy right field, Josh Lowe, third base, Camonero, junior Camonero, second base, Brandon Lau, center field, Jose Siri, DH, Luke Rayleigh. Fine. Slash Harold. Yeah, slash Harold Pinto at catcher. Uh, the rotation is still Eflin, Savali, Pepio, Boz. And then you have Bradley of Littell. You got bullpen games. Bullpen, we know what it is. Those rotation rotation pieces coming back at the tail end of the year. We don't have to upgrade the bench. That's the 2024 Tampa Bay Rays. We'll probably win 98 games. And the team is still pretty damn good. That's just who the Rays are. Well, and, and it's also important that, you know, you focus on next year where you're going to hopefully have McClanahan, Rasmussen and Springs available. So, you know, you can't just go get uh, another arm that's going to be there for multiple years in, in one of these trades and or sign one. And then all of a sudden it's just crowded and you don't have room for all these guys. So I think you got to kind of operate looking at a multi-year plan. And I think this is the way to do that and still keep them competitive for next year. Kind of the raise way, trying our best to, to put the raise hat on. And I, I think we did an all right job of that. So looking forward to keep, to keep churning through all these playing GM episodes with you. It's always fun. 
was a blast. Hopefully everybody enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, can you please rate and review five stars, whether they be on Spotify or Apple Podcasts? It's a great way to help out the show. And if you're watching on YouTube, smash that subscribe button as hard as you can. And guess what? It's free. We're producing so many great pieces of content. Arm just released a Jung-Hoo Lee scouting report. It's amazing. I My next YouTube video, I'm ranking all of the expansion teams. I cannot wait to see the comment sections on those. Because yeah, I'm sure they'll be really tough. nice. It's going to be great. So make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Get yourself some Just Baseball merch. It's the perfect gift for Christmas. Arms rocking the sweatshirt. Arms rocking the hat as well. Go get yours in the episode description. We'll be back on Friday. More GM episodes with the three of us. That's Arm Laden. I'm Peter Apple. And with that, thank you, everybody. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.